The world isn't simple anymore. And on the Walden Pond podcast, your host, anti-fraud expert Vince Walden, is talking to experts about the technology and compliance trends you need to know about to keep your compliance and fraud detection programs relevant. If you're looking for insights that are practical, timely, and innovative, welcome to The Pond. Well, welcome to The Pond. I'm your host, Vincent Walden. I'm really excited about my two guest speakers today, Wendy Riggs, who leads information governance and legal operations for Airbnb, and Cara Riccapuro, Senior Global Director of Information Governance at eBay. And I'm just thrilled to have them here. Before we get started, as you know, in typical Walden Pond fashion, I would like to start us off with a quote from Thoreau from 150 years back in their perspective. And I chose this one around books. Books are the treasured wealth of the world and the fit inheritance of generations to come. And as I think about what we're going to be talking about in information governance today and uh, the digital media and YouTube and all the contents that's being generated, sometimes it's nice to reflect back to a book and how important that can be. I don't know, Wendy Carr, when was the last time you picked up a good novel and read it from cover to cover? I still love to read. I think Wendy's probably got me beat, but last time I actually sat down and read a whole book was on vacation this past summer. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm about the same boat. It's been too long. Wendy, what about you? I still like to read, and I definitely like books, not a Kindle, just real books. Yeah, yeah there's something to be said about flipping the paper and, and actually writing in the margins or something. <laughs> Let's jump right in, and what I'd like to start off with, and maybe Wendy will start with you, give the audience a little bit of background on your experience and how you got to be the lead at Airbnb for information governance and legal operations. You're probably a busy person. Wow. I have many, many years on the litigation and e-discovery in law firms, began my career in law firms. And then ended up so doing anything from trial paralegal work, technology in the courtroom, working with our clients on e-discovery related matters, and then moved in-house early 2011 to Zynga, which was quite fun. And then over to Twitter to set up the same sort of programs there. And then finally ended up taking a full-time role with Airbnb in 2018. Between the Twitter and and Airbnb roles, I did in fact consult mostly with tech companies in the same space and had the pleasure of also working closely with Kara at eBay. So lots of fun and then ended up going with Airbnb, who was a, a client of mine when I was consulting. Fantastic. Kara, what about your background? So um, my background started off very similar to Wendy's. I was in a law firm for 13 years, I believe it was, litigating cases really in the commercial and contract space. And more and more e-discovery was becoming a thing and information governance. And at some point, a former colleague of mine, Cecil Lynn, had reached out to me and asked me to join eBay as their e-discovery counsel, which I did in 2014. And then we had our split from PayPal. At that point, I was given the opportunity to head up the information governance group at 
eBay and eBay was really just at the early stages of building out that program. So my group also does still include e-discovery, but it was expanded to include that work. And that's when I was consulting with Wendy because she was helping with building out our program. Oh, that's fantastic. And what I was fascinated when I met you guys at a recent Hanzo event in San Francisco, a couple of, I think it was last month, we talked about different forms of discovery and new communications. And again, it, it's not perhaps not so new, but from a discovery perspective, it's kind of the hot topic going on right now. Tell me, let's describe, and maybe, Cara, let's start with you. What is this new form, or perhaps not so new, form of communication and collaboration that's happening within organizations, particularly your companies, that the legal profession needs to be more familiar with, both from a process and perhaps even technology perspective. And what I'm talking about is the Slack and the collaboration workspaces, not particularly the traditional email that we're all used to. Yeah, so it's definitely blowing up in the collaboration space. So I liken email now, and I've said this in other things, you probably heard me say this before, to a letter in the old days. We started emailing more freely, and then our formal communications were the typed up letter that we mailed out. Now it seems that we've all gone to these collaboration tools like Slack and other messaging applications. And these are tools or applications that we're deploying across enterprise-wide across our companies, and they just allow people in real time to kind of go back and forth, almost like an instant message. You can upload documents there, and it's just a quicker flow of information, I think. It seems a little bit less formal, and it's really, at least in our group, it's exploding. Most of the folks that I've talked to, all of these companies are adopting these types of applications and really having their employees kind of get very familiar with them, which means us in litigation have to be familiar with them. Right. It's like the tail wagging the dog in that case. It seems like I see Slack somewhere in between. Obviously, there's email and then there was instant messaging. That was way back when. And these collaboration tools are kind of living somewhere in the middle. At least that's how I view it. Wendy, what do you think? Completely agree with Kara. I think now we're probably going back to the letter sort of thing. We're having these communications and collaborating in tools like Slack but then perhaps memorializing the quote-unquote formal agreements or outcome in perhaps email. And a lot of this, I think, comes from working in innovative companies moving at really fast pace, right? So we will often find out that employees are using tools and then trying to, one of the challenges has often been, we find out they're out there, then how do we bring them under sort of an un- enterprise umbrella versus having these multiple accounts that we're trying to track and understand? So that's been something that I've had to deal with in the past. And I'm dealing with not related to Slack, but it happens frequently. And that's how these tools end up taking over and legal's catching up. And I have a feeling you'll always be catching up because innovation and technology will always move forward. And your job is to, I would imagine, is to always understand how it's going to work from a discovery or from a risk perspective. That gets me to my next question is, what kind of challenges are you seeing in these communication tools from perhaps, you know, from a collection, processing and search type and even production type perspective? Wendy, continuing the conversation, maybe you can answer that first and then Cara comment. Yes. Wow. Some of this happens from a subscription in Slack case. 
it's a subscription issue, right? Basically, yeah. level of, of your subscription. And while it's enterprise level subscription, you must pay for, and it's a significant cost increase for the upper level subscription in order to gain access to the data that you really need in order to effectively process and call the data that you're after, which makes things much more challenging, much more time consuming and costly. So that's the largest issue. And then unless you're in a situation where you're creating an internal tool then to handle those exports, you're then purchasing yet another tool in order to get the value out of it. So now I'm upgrading my subscription from a compliance perspective, and then I'm getting a tool that I have to use to slice and dice it and export it and produce it. So those are huge challenges and very expensive as well. Yeah, yeah. What we kind of heard in our session, basically the traditional brute force way is to grab the entire, let's just say Slack repository and try to copy and paste it or try to load it into a database, which tools like that don't really lend itself to a review type platform. It just is like a giant dump of a flat front, right? Has that been your experience or are there ways to kind of work to manage that better? That was our initial experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it basically kind of a mess in my yeah. opinion and reminds me of when e-discovery just first started and people were struggling with this in different technologies. So yeah. I'm sure we'll figure it out. But to Wendy's point right now, it's at the beginning of this. So I foresee that there'll be more and more people coming up with good solutions. So there'll be more things to choose from and the price will ultimately go down, but that's going to take us some time to get there. It really, really affects the whole EDRM process because even retention is an issue for us. So it's not so simple. They don't even have a component at this point for legal hold, at least that I'm aware of. So you're also having to talk to other groups like Hanzo and bring in some other technology if you only want to retain certain data or certain channels. Because once you know that something is potentially relevant in at least one of your Slack channels, and I think we have like, I had somebody told me yesterday, I think we have like 248 current channels going right on our enterprise wow. uh, version of Slack. So you have to hold all of that data or do what we used to do with email. You find out something potentially relevant. You export that entire channel. It's ugly. It's not easily reviewable. And you just have to struggle going through that. We have in our company have been lucky enough to get a couple, an analyst, I believe, and an engineer who worked with my team to try to figure out a way that we could collect Slack ourselves with our own kind of homemade tool. And we can, but again, it's, we're still seeing other issues. I mean, that there's problems, obviously, with homegrown tools when the people leave and everything else. More importantly, we still don't have a nice export that we can easily review. Right. To dump it into a review platform. Right? And again, that's for investigations and litigations. Have you thought about from an information governance and perhaps whether it's PII or GDPR compliance type things. How are you having to look at these communication platforms proactively for compliance issues? Are they in scope? Do you have to somehow monitor them or put some kind of controls and policies around them? Carl, why don't you continue on that? I think that I assume, Wendy and I have talked a lot about this, just dealing 
through our own issues, colleagues in the company. And so I think she, she'll have a similar take on it, but it absolutely applies to information governance. I mean, we cannot just carve that out. We have express obligations under GDPR and right. CCPA and other laws are rolling out where we need to minimize our data. And so there's no way we could just say, you know what, regulator, this one application just doesn't apply. And so we're struggling right now. That's why I had brought up the whole EDRM process and the idea of retention, because we have automated deletion on a lot of different things just to keep our stuff clean. And then you can apply a legal hold. We're having difficulty finding a way to do that in Slack. It's like an all or nothing thing for us, unless you bring in a separate legal hold tool. And I'd love to hear, Wendy, if you've had any other different wins on this. But for us, it's like you can't apply that automated deletion policy in the tool because we don't know which channels may be relevant to litigation or an investigation. And similarly, when someone comes to us and says, delete all our data, luckily we haven't had a lot of that from an employee perspective because that would really mostly be primarily be an employee data. I don't see how that's an application that you just don't touch. No, I agree. Kara, I'm in total agreement with you. The one thing I wanted to add that I have just digging into this more recently, a couple of things to flag. Slack is, in fact, looking at adding within their admin UI a legal hold component, which would be built in to the product, which I think would be super, super helpful. Don't know it, it's not coming soon enough to put everything on hold, but I liked hearing that they've heard enough feedback so that that is something that they're considering. That's cool. They're recognizing the challenge. They are. But looking at these from a governance perspective, we're struggling with that too. I mean, ideally, let's don't let that data sit around long. But what I'm seeing too is currently the way things are set up, I'm in a channel I can set my retention at that channel level. So we are looking at ways to, okay, how are we going to handle this from an organizational perspective? And then, as Kara said, there's a lot of digging to be done to identify relevant channels. I mean, you can have a custodian that you find relevant to a matter, and they're part of 150,000 channels. So it becomes really challenging and very fun and interesting if you like that sort of thing. But I do think that some of the tools that we're looking at, and Hanzo obviously is one of them that helps with this, but I think that it really starts with the governance aspect. And even putting governance around a platform like Slack is difficult from an architecture perspective as well. Yeah, sure. No, it's good. And, you know, I appreciate you guys talking about this because, and our listeners who are, how many of them are dealing with GDPR and governance and compliance around their data sets, these communication platforms may not be top of mind, and they certainly need to be, because like you said, this is certainly a trend. You mentioned, I think it was you, Cara, who mentioned, you observed, or at least one company, that when a company deployed Slack in their organization, they saw like a 30% decline in email traffic. I thought that was kind of cool, that they would measurably able to see fewer emails now and as the adoption of Slack took off, so, you know, in a replacement kind of form. So that was kind of a cool observation. That wasn't in your company, but it was something I think well, yeah, might have been you with you when you were in your consulting, but you observed a company doing that. That's a, it's definitely a trade-off and that's the trend. 
both of us have talked, I often will go to her and because we're often trying to, in particular, when Kara was rolling out some of her governance practices and when we were working on the foundational program, it really is important to go back and look at the statistics around the data and look at those metrics. And it's a yeah. great, I guess, selling point to get people to recognize the importance of data minimization. So yeah, that's a key component. Now, tell me about this, looking at kind of beyond and what the road ahead looks like, what other, I'll say relevant forms of information you might be seeing outside the traditional or outside these platforms like Slack, are there other, is mobile, obviously mobile, but what are you seeing that might be coming down the road? Especially your companies are kind of synonymous with kind of startup and innovation. What do you see employees doing that might also pose legal or information governance risks? That might be too, without getting into any specifics on your company, obviously, but what's the road ahead look like? I mean, if that's for me, I'll just jump in with a couple of comments. And this has been around for quite some time, and I know Kara's dealt with it. I mean, everybody's dealing with it. What are, especially when you work in an organization that perhaps is not highly regulated, you know, what are people using? So Evernote, types of tools are they using in their day-to-day -day work that isn't necessarily an enterprise solution, but the only way we're going to learn about these things are through custodian interviews and whatnot. So those are really the challenging components. And then it comes down to being able to develop those relationships across your organization and maintain that information and try and reuse it. But those are really the ways that you're finding out about these tools that are perhaps one-off, you know, not only some of those, but maybe they're project management tools that we find that are being utilized as well. So that happens quite a bit and it's a challenge. It's certainly been a challenge for me in the organizations that I've worked in. Wendy, it reminds me of kind of like that old saying of management by walking around. It's compliance and information governance, legal and compliance professionals. You need to walk around the company and see what they're using and don't assume that what was used last year or two years ago is still the primary forms of communication especially as new technology evolves. It's a great point and reminder for us to think about. Cool. And Cara, do you have yeah, any comments to that at all? Um, I would echo everything that Wendy said. And to your point about the walking around, I mean, that it really is. It's actually shocked me how we've been surprised sometimes where we had no idea that someone actually is using. When Slack started our company, a bunch of innovative, I'm sure, engineers had just adopted the free version and we're talking on it a couple teams so they weren't even on our enterprise we obviously right. we corrected that we moved it over but we just found out about that i was out in utah and somebody in another group mentioned slack and i'm like what's slack and that and it became yeah. a whole big thing and that was years ago so i mean you really do have to keep that communication going and talk to people different people in the different organizations particularly your it folks to find out this stuff and then the other thing i'd add and I think everybody kind of knows this, so I don't want to belabor it, but I think it's a important point is that more and more and more, everybody's moving so much stuff to their mobile device. They're talking on there. They've got health information on there. They've got text for their wife and a text for their family just right next to text with their bosses about what's going on in the company. And as much as we try to drive people away from that behavior, 
I think it's just a necessary evil. And so that's one of the things that we're struggling with all the time to try to keep, make sure that people are following best practices in data management and also doing that whole analysis. I mean, you do an investigation and you have to take someone's mobile issued device. There's also privacy issues there, right? Because even if it's a company issued device, People don't think about litigation like we do. They don't think about investigations. They're just like, oh, I've got this nice new phone. I'm going to download my health application and my this and my WeChat. So that's also, I think, something that's going to continue to cause us in these seats and these chairs and these companies struggles and I don't want to say problems, but they are problems. They're hopefully things that we can come to solutions for. But challenges is probably the best way to put it. Sure, sure. Well, great conversation insight, and we're just about out of time here, so I'll ask you, maybe Wendy, I'll start with you. Any last bits of advice for legal and compliance professionals who are listening as they think about their company and new forms of communication? Yeah, and this is a little bit diverting, just a little bit, but some of the things I'm seeing more and more when we talk about collaboration tools and things like that, how some of these platforms are developed, let's take like a smart sheet or a DocuSign, I mean, things like that that are being highly used across organizations, I'm finding more and more that it's easy to get the data in, and this happens a lot, but getting that data out, especially when you haven't, you have people similar to Slack, opening freemium accounts, things like that, it becomes a real challenge with all of these systems on how do I deal with getting our corporate data from a governance perspective, but also being able to meet our legal and regulatory obligations. And we have the privacy considerations as well with termed employee data and whatnot sitting in these various used on a day-to-day basis. So I'm finding more and more of these issues that I think are going to be coming up. And I think these companies need to address that. How do I give people back their data? And not lock the company down. Exactly. In the middle. Cara, what about you? What tidbits of advice would you have for the community? I think I'll just echo kind of, you know, what we talked about before, which is the best way to get an effective solution early on is to understand what's coming. So I always stress in whenever I'm talking and things like this, that building those relationships across your company, not just sitting behind your desk and pulling policies together. Like when I was in the law firm, it was very easy for me to say to a client, this is how it should be and do it that way. And I didn't understand why some of these companies are like, well, we can't do it this way or what have you. Now that I'm sitting in this seat, I understand there's a corporate culture that everybody's trying to do their job. And yeah. there's a reality to what you can advise, what the perfect, most defensible solution is. It just doesn't always work that way. And so you've got to work with your folks to find the thing that does work for your company that is most defensible and that makes you compliant. And I think the best way to do that is understanding the business and talking to people in the business. Yeah. Walk around the marketing and sales department and maybe the IT and figure out what they're using (laughs) among others. But that's so true. Now that was great. And you guys, thank you very much for your time and appreciate you joining me on the pond. And for the listeners group here, thank you for joining into this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.